Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. That was absolutely beautiful. And I want to thank you for your love and your support. Uh, I should really be the one thanking you. Never uh, have we ever felt such love and support and encouragement. You guys are just awesome. I say it all the time. This is the church I've always wanted to pastor. And I praise God for all of you. By the way, Brother Bill, that's not the way I heard it. Behind every good and successful man, there's a better woman, I think is the way you said it. It's not the way I heard it. I heard behind every successful man, there's a tired woman. I have something that I want to share with you today that I believe will really, really, really encourage you. And I want to encourage you with the truth, with biblical truth. This is not the phony kind of encouragement that tickles the ear and gratifies the flesh. This is biblical encouragement that will touch the deep part of who you are in Christ. Now, one of the problems that we have in this modern day is that Christians have a tendency to look at salvation like it's a one-dimensional experience. While the Bible presents salvation as a three-dimensional experience, a three-stage experience. For instance, the first stage is that of justification. The second stage is that of sanctification. And the third stage is that of glorification. Justification is that past salvation experience when you met Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and what a glorious experience that is. But sanctification is that present salvation experience that you're going through right now as a child of God. And then glorification is that promised salvation experience that God has promised to all those who know him and walk with him and love him. It is, as the Bible calls it, the eternal hope of glory. It is biblical for us to say, I was saved, past tense. And many of you can say, I was saved, and you can put uh, a time and a place and a testimony with it. What a glorious time we could have here today if we just settled into a testimonial time of sharing when Christ came into our hearts and saved us. 
But it is also biblical to say, I am being saved. Right now, Jesus Christ is working in my life. The Holy Spirit is leading and guiding, and I can hear His voice, and I am being saved. I am going through growth and maturity and sanctification right now. That's very, very biblical. It is also biblical to say, glory, hallelujah, praise God, one day I will be saved. One glorious hallelujah day, my salvation will be full and complete. Now, just to give you some scriptures, and we don't have anything on the screen today, so you might want to just write some of these references down. But to show you the three dimensions of salvation, the first one is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says, for by grace, and just put Ephesians 2, that's what you can find it. For by grace you have been saved. That's past tense. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul was saying, we have been saved, and that's a glorious thing. But Philippians 2 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. One scripture says we have been saved, and it was by grace. And the next scripture says we're being saved, but we have to work at it. Now, friends, you were saved by grace, but once you got saved by grace, you have a responsibility to work at this thing called salvation. It's a requirement that we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that fear and trembling means that you take it seriously. This is not something to be dealt with casually or flippantly. We work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Yes, Jesus saved me. Yes, he did it all. No, I didn't work for it. It was a gift of God. But now that I'm saved, I have a responsibility with great seriousness to work out my own salvation. Hebrews chapter 2 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Now, this is the biblical way of saying you better not neglect the ongoing process of salvation. Don't neglect it. Yes, praise God, you were born again, but now you better not neglect what God has given you. It's just real plain and simple. What if we treated our own children sometimes the way we treat Christianity? What if we said to our child, you've been born, that's enough. You don't need to learn how to walk. You don't need to learn how to talk. Young people, listen to me. You don't need to go to school. You don't need to learn how to read and write. You don't need to prepare for something in life. No. You've just been born. That's enough. No, friends, it's not enough. You need to be born again. But when you are born again, it is time for you to take that new birth, that new life seriously and start working at it and don't neglect this great and glorious thing that God has given you. Second Peter chapter 1. 
Be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. Wait now, God called me. God saved me. Now I've got to, I've got to make sure for the rest of my life that I'm saved. Well, the whole idea is this. That you make sure that you are walking out that salvation. That you're fleshing it out in this world. Make your calling and election sure. And then twice in Romans, the fifth chapter, Paul says, we shall be saved. Paul was talking to Christian people. You were saved. You're being saved. And now he says, we shall be saved. And one of my favorite chapters is Romans, the 13th chapter. It says, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Oh, child of God, do you hear me? As we think about being encouraged today, I want you to know your salvation is closer than it has ever been. Now, I also want to say to you, because part of my job as a pastor is to teach you biblical and theological truth and to make sure that you're doctrinally sound. Please don't ever let anybody tell you that when you got saved, you received everything God has for you. That, that's not even close to being biblical. I've heard preachers say, when Jesus came into your heart and when you got saved, you got it all. There's nothing else after that. How ridiculous. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says when you got saved, you received the down payment of your salvation. You receive the earnest, the as it were, the earnest money of your salvation. But the full purchase price of your salvation is yet to come. And, and, and I can tell you, friends, that when you get saved, oh, that is great. It is glorious. Uh, we should testify as long as we live in this life and probably throughout eternity what God did the moment he saved us. But oh, it doesn't stop there. When we move into the second stage, the second dimension of salvation, then we're moving into a time where we're learning and growing and grace and maturing in the faith and walking with our blessed Savior. And we're learning more and receiving more. And it's getting better and better and better every day. I hope, I listen, I know you had a great experience when you got saved. You can't get saved without having a great experience. But I hope you're not still there. I hope you're growing in grace and, and maturing in the faith. But oh, let me tell you something, friends. We don't even receive it all right now. We didn't receive it all when we initially got saved. We don't receive it all now when we're fleshing it out. According to the Bible, we won't receive the full reward, the full purchase price of our salvation until that glorious hallelujah day when we see our Savior face to face and we enter the kingdom of God. That is the promise of glory. And that is so very important. John Piper says, Our salvation is rooted in the past, worked out in the present, and guaranteed in the future. That's pretty good, isn't it? Our salvation, one more time, is rooted in the past, worked out in the present, and guaranteed in the future. Now, the reason 
It's so important for us to understand the three dimensions, the three stages of salvation, is because if we miss this, we are subject to fall prey to some phony and fake theology of our day. And here it is. I'm about to share with you. It's all over America today. It's all over the Internet. It, it, it saturates much of what we call preaching today. Here it is. This is what we're being taught. You can step into the full reward of your salvation right here. Sounds good, doesn't it? You, you can have it all right now. If you'll just get right with God, if you'll just believe, if you'll just embrace your destiny, you can have it all right now. And once you hear this, once you grasp this, once you step out in faith, and once you do this, your whole world's going to change. You're going to all of a sudden be successful. You're going to be prosperous. There may even be fame and fortune. The whole world around you will just start working in your favor. Now, I tell you, I like that kind of preaching. It's just not true. I mean, it is not true. Now, if you tell me that there's prosperity and success and victory and hallelujah in the spirit realm for those who embrace Jesus, I'm in. I'm there. I can testify. But if you're trying to tell me that when somebody gets right with God, really believes the Scripture, really embraces everything it says, that they somehow step into a place where everything works. I'd like to hear one or two testimonies of somebody who's not talking about the future, but says, you know what, five years ago it happened to me. Man, I stepped into my destiny. It's all, it's all fruit basket turnover now. It's just glory, hallelujah. Me and my wife don't have a crossword. My boss keeps giving me raises every week. I just got more money and I know what to do with it. I don't have any problems. It, hallelujah, this is great stuff. There are no testimonies out there like that. There's a lot of preaching that tickles ears and gratifies the flesh, but there are no testimonies like that. Why? Because that's not what the Bible teaches. It's not. And it's important for me as a pastor to tell you that's not the truth. And if you buy into it, you'll go down the wrong road, and you'll miss the heart of God. I read the statistics almost every year and my heart is broken and I know yours will be too when I share this with you. But every year, for some reason, these are the numbers that average out. It's been going on now 10, 15 years. Every year, some 90 to 100,000 Christians every year are martyred for their faith killed because they're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thousands of Christians every year, tens of thousands of Christians every year are born into a society that's waiting to kill them. They're born into harm's way. Christians are dying. 
This year, some 90,000 Christians will die for their faith. So I want to ask you this morning, I, I really want you to help me with this. What happened? What's happening to those 90,000? Have they just not heard this wonderful message that when you get right with God, everything works out? Has God failed them? Has God let them down? Have, have, have they... Have they somehow been cheated? Did they lose their faith? No. They held on to their faith. They believed. They met a Savior that was worth dying for. And He changed their lives. And they started living and working out their own salvation in a hostile environment. That everywhere they turned, they were buffeted. And finally, they made the ultimate sacrifice and gave their lives. And at that moment, they stepped into the glory of that final stage of salvation. Oh, I'm telling you! They didn't miss out. They walked it out. That's what they did. Oh, my goodness. Well, I know you've heard this expression somewhere. I have, uh, I've used it from this pulpit many times. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Uh, don't you love that? He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Do you know who said that? A missionary by the name of Jim Elliot. What you may not know is Jim Elliot died at 28 years old on the mission field, killed as a martyr for his faith. And four more missionaries were killed at the same time. They laid their lives down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did Jim Elliot get a raw deal? See, if you think Jim Elliot got a raw deal, then, then you, haven't, you haven't comprehended the truth of what salvation is all about. Jim Elliot received a salvation experience where Jesus became more real to him than life itself. And then God called him to go into a hostile environment and to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he obeyed the calling that was placed upon his life. And then there on the mission field, he laid his life down and died for his faith. And I can tell you, when he went into glory to receive the final and full reward of his salvation, he had no regrets. Did Jim Elliot get a raw deal? No. No. If we really want to walk this thing out, we've got to stop looking at Christianity on a worldly, physical, carnal level. Ah. <sighs> we got to see the big picture. We have to be eternally minded. And, and when you do that, it really, really starts making sense. So, I, I need to tell you this, because I, I, we're all subject to it. I want to tell you, every now and then I get pulled in this direction. 
and I need a correction. But salvation that's rooted in this world and in the things of this world and salvation that's focused on what you can gain and receive in this world is questionable whether it's even salvation or not. It may not be. You see, friends, when you really get right with God, it may not resolve all your problems. In fact, if you walk down this aisle, let's just say someone here today needs to be saved. You've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you're thinking, man, if I walk down that aisle and I give my heart to Jesus, it's going to solve all my problems. Friends, let's be honest. It may create more problems than you have right now. Now that'll win friends and influence people, won't it? That'll cause you to send another thousand dollars into our ministry, won't it? But the fact is, you walk down this aisle and get saved, it may create problems in your life. You might get fired. You may start living according to biblical, Christian, godly principles, and they don't want you on the job anymore. I'll bet you there's somebody here today, somewhere down the line, you got laid off and got fired because you would not compromise your Christian convictions. Things don't always get better when you get right with God. Sometimes they get worse. You may get right with God and get divorced. This is right out of the Scriptures. I'm not making this up. You may get divorced. You, you may get right with God and you want to walk with God and you want to live for Him and you quit watching filth on television and you quit, quit reading the junk and you start going to church and you start living right and you start singing those praise songs and that's irritating the daylights out of the person who lives in the house with you. And they finally come to a point where they say, I will have none of this. I can't live like this. And they depart called abandonment. And do you know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says the brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. That's what it says. If your husband or, or wife leaves you because you love Jesus, you are not under bondage in such cases. Just keep living for Christ causes all kinds of problems, relationship problems. Uh, here's, here's one. When you get right with God, you have to start telling the truth. And I got to tell you, friends, people don't like to hear the truth. They really don't. People don't like to hear the truth. If you say to somebody, I love you, I love you too much not to tell you the truth. The way you're living is not right. It's going to have a disastrous end to it. You need to get right with God. This behavior is unacceptable. You you have to conform to the teachings of Scripture. And you pour your heart out and you start telling your friends what they need to do. You start sharing the truth with your friends and you may not have as many friends as you have right now. And when you start telling them the truth, you'll hear things like, you're just legalistic, or that's fanatical, or you're being intolerant. 
Recently, I even heard this one. You're being unchristian. Somebody came to this church, heard me share something right out of the Bible, and they went home, put it on the internet, and said that I was unchristian because I couldn't accept the way other people live. That... That kind of puzzled me. I'm unchristian because I'm insisting upon the fact that the Bible says this is the way a Christian should live. You're going to hear all kinds of things. But I'm just trying to tell you, to really get right with God doesn't solve all your problems. It creates a lot of them. I still laugh. This was years ago, but I still laugh about a testimony that I heard from a guy. He got up, and I heard him give this testimony. He said, I got right with God and almost went broke. He said, I thought my finances were going to explode, and I almost went broke. And he said, you know why I almost went broke? He said, I quit cheating on my income tax. <laughs> he said, and that cost me multiple thousands of dollars because I, I, I had to be honest on my income tax. And then he said, on top of that, I made up my mind, I'm going to do whatever God's Word says. And he said, I ran across that Scripture that says you have to tithe. I quit cheating on my income tax. That almost put me under. And then I started tithing. And he said, man, I was, it was borderline at that point. And then he said, and lo and behold, one day I was reading some scripture and found out that I had to be mindful of the poor and start giving to the poor and giving alms. He said, man, I thought I was going to go completely broke. And then he said, I wouldn't change a thing because I found out God was enough. And he sustained me. Please hear me. Uh, somebody's selling you some snake oil when they tell you, if you'll just get right, you'll step into your destiny. God's got it all worked out. It's going to be glorious. And, and, and you're going to be at the top. You're not going to be the tail. You're, you're going to be ahead and not behind. It's going to be hallelujah. I, I don't want to insult you, but isn't it time we as Christians start using just a little bit of common sense? Now, now, usually after they say that, they take up an offering. <laughs> and I didn't want to preach this message until after we had taken up the offering. So. <clears throat> An old illustration that I heard shortly after being called into the ministry has been a blessed reminder to me through the years. I'll give you an abbreviated version. But the story is told about an old missionary and his wife, who had served out their days on the mission field. And a long time ago, missionaries didn't go and come like they do today. They had lived on the mission fields for some 40 years. They got on a ship coming back to the United States. And when they got on that ship, they became aware immediately. They were going home to finish out their days. And they became aware that the president of the United States was on that same ship, President Teddy Roosevelt. He had been on a big game hunt, and the hunt was over, and now he was headed home. And the ship was just alive with the presence of the president. It was all about him. Nobody else was getting any attention. He said when they pulled into New York Harbor and the ship docked, they wouldn't let anybody disembark until the president and his entourage left the ship. And down the gangplank they went. And the Marine band was there playing. People were waving flags. It's a great celebration. 
And then for security purposes, they wouldn't let anybody else leave the ship until that had all cleared out. Once it had cleared, the old missionary and his wife walked off the boat. Not one soul was there to greet them. No applause. Nobody. And it was just such a letdown. They went to a nearby hotel. And he was just so broken. He told his wife, he said, I just don't get it. I don't understand. He plays for two weeks. And then he receives all this. We worked for 40 years. And nothing. Nobody responds. She told her husband. She said, God has always answered these kinds of questions. Why don't you get along with God? You'll get the answer. He goes into another room by himself. He gets before the Lord. And, and, and sometimes we, we, don't, we whine when we pray, don't we? We don't just pray. We, we whine. We complain. He was whining and complaining. And he says, God, I just don't get it. This doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, the president... He didn't go over there for anybody else. He's just gratifying his own flesh and his own desires. And he comes home and there's praise and accolades for him. And my wife and I, we've served for 40 years and we come home. And not one person is there to meet us. Nothing. Lord, you've got to give me some answers. And he said the Lord spoke to him. And said, son, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. May I suggest to you, child of God, that the next time you feel rejected, the next time you feel left out, the next time you feel like life has treated you unfairly, oh, I hope you'll hear the Father say, child, you're not home yet. Oh, I'm trying to encourage you the biblical way. Not this corrupt theology going through our land. You're not home yet. I hope you'll hear the Holy Spirit The Father and the Son say to you, I was there with you the moment you got saved and I know what a glorious experience that was. And I've been with you all along the way as tough and as difficult and as hard as it is. And the Apostle Paul said, you shall through much tribulation enter the kingdom of heaven. And the Apostle Peter said, "There is this is no strange thing that the fiery trials you're going through. That's not strange. And I hope the Holy Spirit says to I was there in the beginning and I've been with you every step of the way but hold on hold on don't give up your faith because soon your salvation will be complete soon you'll step into the full reward of your inheritance keep your eyes on eternity oh friends I hope that's what the Lord says to you I wish I could invite the Apostle Paul to come to this pulpit and address this subject. But he's not here. 
But we have the next to the best thing. We have his words. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, Brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify, put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature... That's us. That's these bodies. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself shall be delivered 
from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? Come on. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, 
I'll get to say this one day when I'm in heaven. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for speaking those words. Thank you for speaking the words that keep us from coming, becoming drunk with the pleasures of the world and keeping us focused on the true things of our God. Child of God, I want to encourage you today. You were saved. And by the way, if you have not been saved, I hope you will be able to say it before you leave here today. But child of God, you have been saved. You met Jesus. And that was wonderful. It was great. It was glorious. But that was just the first stage. The second stage of salvation is sanctification. (laughs) You're being saved. And I got news for you. Sometimes being saved is not nearly as exciting as getting saved. In fact, sometimes it's a burden. Sometimes it's an agony. Sometimes it's a hardship. Sometimes it's just, it's just painful and difficult. Rather than gratifying the flesh, you have to say no to the flesh. Child of God, you are gloriously saved. And no matter what it feels like, no matter the sacrifice, no matter the pain, no matter the agony, no matter the stress that you're going through right now, God's doing something good in you. Keep the faith because your salvation is still in process. And one of these days, he's going to take you home. And when he does, I don't care what you're going through. It'll be worth it all. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.